Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Grandma and Grandpa, and you would say, Come see my room. You remember? You'd take them. You'd take them by the hand. Take them in here. And you'd go in. This is my room. Like you really had something, you know? (laughs) You got a scraped up toy box covered in Lisa Frank stickers. You know? A ripped baseball poster on the wall. An old lava lamp somebody gave you that's now just a lava blob because it won't move anymore. You had it. Bedspread, you know. It was real modern. It looked like it was covered in paint splatter, you know, and you had all this. Get my room. You were so proud of your room. And you said, oh, and this, and this, let me show you this. Oh, and over here, this is where I keep my ink pens. You'd be opening the drawers, showing them all this stuff. And every time they would try to leave the room, you, oh, 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 oh. And you'd show them something that didn't even mean, just anything that popped into your mind, you wanted them to stay there. Did you ever have a time when grandma or grandpa or even mom and dad They came in into the room, but then they stayed. I'm pulling Vince's trick now. He can't preach without getting down on his knees about 25 times in every single message. I don't think it usually means what I'm doing, but they got down, and then they said, oh, well, what about this? Never did this, though, did you, Vince? <laughs> just, a, just a little better. <laughs> now I got to get up. <laughs> I've got dust all over my velour. (laughs) Yeah, then they did that. It took them a while to get me. It was serious if they got down. Because for all they knew, they might be staying there a while. You remember what it meant for them to come to your space and be interested in you? 2,000 years ago, God said, I'm going to go down there. (laughs) I'm going to get right down where they are, and I'm going to say, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Oh, I see you, Jehovah, because they had not previously known him by that. Somebody ought to shout. 
and you don't think that that guy can make up for your missed opportunity? He's the one that gives a twofold recompense for your shame. That literally means double for your trouble. He's literally the God that can do more in the time you've got left than all the time you gave up before. Remember the old song, wasted years, wasted years, oh, how foolish. He said he can restore what the moth and the canker worm have eaten. He can do more in your last days than in your former days. You don't have to fret over missed opportunity anymore. That opportunity was not your provider. That was only one channel, and God holds the remote control. He can change the channel. He can change the avenue. He can change the way. And so God is the source. That might have been a resource, but he is the source. And so if you'll just keep your eyes and your focus fixed on him, if you'll keep your faith in Jesus and his finished work, you don't have to worry about the missed opportunity. He's the one that made heaven and earth. He can make another opportunity. He can do it again. He can do something else. Don't regret missed opportunity anymore. Set yourself free today because he has. Hallelujah. It always comes, missed opportunity always comes with feeling like a fool. I should have known. I should have acted faster. It comes with regret. Just stop today. Let yourself go. Let her see. Tragedy and abuse. Tragedy and abuse. We put those two together. They are both things that happened to you that were out of your control. So, Tragedy could be a loss. It could be a, a great financial loss. It could be a change that you didn't see coming and you didn't know to prepare for. Or it could be the loss of something much more dear. It could be the loss of a human being. It could be a broken relationship that you had no control over. Listen, everybody has their own free will. Even when you're in God's will... It doesn't mean everybody around you is going to do what they're supposed to do. But that's no reflection on you. It's not up to you what they do. It's just up to you what you do with it. And so when people leave you, let them go. Let them go. I'm not telling you that there's nobody worth fighting for, but I'm also telling you that there's a point when your horse dies, get off. Come on. There's a point when you have to relinquish control and say, I've done my part. I have prayed my prayers. I have cried my tears. I have put in my uh, blood, sweat, and tears. I've put in the time. I've put in the money. I've put in the effort. I did the research. I can't do anymore for them, and it hurts, and my heart is broken, and I'm grieving, and it may be through a lot more tears, but i got to let you go. Bishop Jakes calls it the gift of goodbye. Come on, and it is. There's a gift of goodbye. There's a gift you give to yourself of finally saying, that's it. That's it. I got I to gotta let it go. But it still hurts, doesn't it? That's what we're talking about is that loss. Or the loss of a loved one in death. 
the loss of a loved one in death. And that comes with a lot because, you know, I, I grieve still from time to time. You know, my, uh, my grandfather, my grandmother died in January of 05. My grandfather died in April of 2013, and I miss them both dearly. I don't live grieving, but there are times it still hits me like it just happened. I go, And I go and sit on their graves and just tell them all about it, you know. I tell them everything going on. I tell them everything I wish they could see. I wish they see this. And maybe they can. I don't know if they can or not, you know, but they're not here for me to talk to in the flesh. So that stuff hits you. So regardless, these things come with a lot of hurt. These things come with a lot of pain. But many times they come with added pain because we didn't get to say everything we wanted to. We needed to tell them something or tell them one more time. Maybe there was a good thing we didn't get to say to them. Maybe we, I always meant to say I love you and I didn't say it. Or maybe it was, I always meant to say forget you and I didn't get to say it. That's the churchy way. Come on. I always meant to tell them to jump in a lake and they went off and died before I could tell them to, you know. I always meant to say, I wish you'd die, and they went off and died, and I didn't get to say it. (laughs) Anyway, it comes with a lot of that, doesn't it? All kinds of things with the loss of someone when someone dies. Sometimes we needed to hear, I love you, from them, and we didn't get to. Sometimes we needed to hear, I'm proud of you, and we didn't get to. Sometimes we needed to hear from them, I'm sorry, and we didn't get to tragedy. It could also be abuse, and by abuse, I also mean any mistreatment. It could have been something horrible you, you went through. Mistreatment, betrayal, lies, maybe something physical, maybe physical abuse, sexual abuse, maybe rape. Maybe emotional abuse, maybe manipulation. Years ago, I was talking to someone whose house had been robbed. I didn't know until talking to that person the kind of emotional trauma that could come with that. I always thought, okay, somebody's house got robbed, you know. This person experienced incredible violation in incredible fear because a space that had been sanctioned as safe, an area that had been sanctioned as my area, my secure place, your home is your sanctuary, had been violated. And now that's all they could think about. And if they were home alone, sometimes they wondered if they were home by themselves or not. They didn't feel safe in that space anymore. So I want to put all of that under abuse, tragedy or abuse. This category, letter C, is basically things that we went through or that happened to us that was out of our control. Things we experienced that we did not do to ourselves. Either life, life did it, or another human being did it, or the enemy of our soul did it. An attack of the enemy. Sometimes it's all three. And this comes with things that hold us, which now we are responsible for. 
We're not responsible for what happened, but now we are responsible for how we act, how we behave, and what we do with it. It comes with anger. It comes with unforgiveness, bitterness. It comes with shame. It comes with feeling like a fool. And here comes that big one again that's been on every one of them, regret. Regret. The common thread is regret in all of it. A feeling that we wish we could have changed it, even when maybe we couldn't. Now, category A, we could have changed. Category B, we could have changed. We can't now, but we could have. Category C, we had no control, but the feeling still is there. Somehow it was my fault I was abused. Somehow the divorce is my fault, my parents' divorce. Somehow it's me that this person left. The enemy's a liar, and man, he's good at it. He is a good liar. He's got you carrying stuff that you didn't even have anything to do with. He is holding you bound, which really he can't do. Only you can hold you bound. So he lies, and then you hold yourself bound, and then he laughs while you talk about how big and strong the devil is. And he's got you holding yourself bound over these lies that you told you, and you're feeling like a fool, and you're feeling regret and shame, wishing you could change what you had no control to change, simply what was. Before I move further, let's take just a moment to talk about unforgiveness. When you do not forgive, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Everybody's heard it that way, but I couldn't think of anything better. The one you are not forgiving might have forgot about it. That really stinks, doesn't it? But here's the deal. They're sleeping and you're not. Here's the third thing. You're not responsible for them. That's between them and God. Forgiveness is not something you do for them. Forgiveness is something you do to them for you. And what is forgiveness anyway? Well, it's not a feeling. Thank God it comes with a feeling eventually, which sadly doesn't show up automatically. When we forgive, I don't automatically feel happy feelings of forgiveness. Forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is the choice I choose not to make you pay for it anymore. That's what forgiveness is. I will not hold you in a prison anymore, and I will not make it my life's mission to make everybody else hate you. That's the big one, because it's not enough for me not to like you. i got to make sure everybody else knows what you did. They don't like you either. But here's the thing. I don't know where they're at in their walk. I don't know where they are in their forgiveness. I don't know where they are with the Lord. So it's not up to me to turn the entire world on them. It's up to me to wash my hands. It's up to me to open the prison door and say, hey, it's between you and God now. I won't hold you there anymore. I'm done talking about it. I'm done talking. I mean, you can talk about it to somebody. You know, you can, you can vent and get godly counsel, but... I'm done talking about you. I'm done dwelling on this. I release you, and I do it for me. 
you release them and you get free. You letting them go is not them getting off the hook. It's you not holding the line anymore. You've been holding that liar all this time, and they're taking your energy. That one that hurt you, they're not even in your life anymore, and you're giving them, you're giving them your time and your energy and your strength. You never wanted to be connected with them, and now you refuse not to be. When are you going to quit attaching yourself to them? When are, you, when are you going to quit insisting on being part of their life? When are, you, when are you going to quit demanding to keep them? When they don't even know, maybe, unforgiveness. Let go and let God. Make the decision and then stand on it. And forgiveness is not a one-time decision. You'll probably have to make that decision. Oh, I can, you can be forgiven by me today, and in a week I might not be forgiven you. i got to make that every time it comes up i got to make that decision every time it comes up. But as I do, my feelings will begin to change. You see, Western Christianity is almost... I hope nobody's in a hurry because i got a ways to go. Western... I'm not kidding. Western Christianity is such a messed up thing. We have this all wrong. We think everything is linear. That means like a line. And we think it starts here and it finishes here. But everything in... Uh, where we come from, our whole Jewish book by our Jewish God to Jewish people through Jewish authors and our Jewish Savior that comes from the Far East. And their whole way of thinking is secular. It's a cycle. It spirals. It goes around and around and around and around and around. We think that when we get healed of something, it's over. We don't visit it again. We think it's a line. It started here with the, the loss or the tragedy or the hurt, and we get over here and then now it's fixed, and now I'm past it. That's wrong. That's not how it works. Here is how your life works. And if you'll start paying attention, you'll see this. At the, at the beginning of your life when you're born, you begin to form memories around things happening. Okay, good things, bad things, sad things, things you like, things you want. Your favorite food, your least favorite food. Who took the toy? Who changed your diaper? Who smiled at you? Who hurt you? You started to grow up, okay? You have all these things. Your brain works on a cycle to come around and remember stuff again. You're in a circle, always. This never stops. Anything that's happened that was notable, you will visit it again. You will never stop visiting it. You will remember those things again and again and again. And sometimes it's funny because it almost works down to a year. Seasons. Literal seasons. Smells bring it back. A song brings it back. Seeing a person brings it back. And it's funny how the calendar works because it kind of puts us on the same stuff at the same time. You know, the falling of the leaves or this or that or uh, a particular thing we do every year where we see that same person. And so we are always on this thing. You getting the picture? Healed is not, oh, I'm healed. I won't remember that again. That's not healed. Healed is this. Here's the tragedy. Boy, it hurts. It really, really hurts. 
man, that really, really hurts. Now, some people do this forever. But some people had their eyes opened. And they say, oh, there's that thing again. But, well, that wasn't pleasant, but it didn't feel like the first time. I'm growing in the Lord. Yeah. Huh. That thing stunk. Oh, I remember that. Hey, this thing doesn't have a hold on me anymore. Oh, man, you remember when God set me free? I got to start a ministry and tell everybody, look what Jesus did. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Amen. It's secular. Healed is not that you quit going around the track. Healed is that it doesn't affect you the same way. It is part of you. It is part of you. God's healing is a lot better than, I got you past it, we won't look at it anymore. That's not a very good healing. That's not a very good testimony. His testimony is, I got healed and I really don't care. Here we go. I'm going to spread this thing around. Now I'm thirsty. I don't have any water. That was the old me coming back. I used to do crazy stuff like this all the time. I was preaching one time in a youth conference making some kind of a crazy point, and I took a bottle of water and threw it, and it hit their glass lights. Yeah, and then there was glass everywhere, and it was a really bad deal. But anyhow, so I try to behave these days. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. Some of you are far more healed than you even know. Because you remember it, you keep thinking, oh, man, I thought I was healed, and I guess I am not. And you haven't even noticed the fact that when you do remember it, it doesn't get to you like it did. You are so much further in your healing than you're even giving God credit for. It's amazing. Yeah, give him some credit now. But that common thread is regret, wishing we could change what, we can, what cannot be changed. So all of these things... You carry anger about the fact that it happened, sadness that you can't have back what was stolen, helpless, maybe shameful, that you couldn't do something to prevent it, and perhaps unforgiveness at the one who caused it. But the bottom line is this. Anything that stole from you in the past does not deserve space in your life to steal from your present. The first time it happened, you can no longer do anything about. Why would you volunteer to play it over a second time? It already took your past. Don't hand over your future. The first time someone else did it to you, but now the thing you hate, you're doing to yourself.
They did it the first time, and now you're going to do it? Well, you ought to hate you too. And you probably do. So stop being just like the one that hurt you. Quit doing what you hate them for. What already happened is done. Jesus has paid for your forgiveness, for your healing, and for your freedom. Now it's up to you if you allow that thing to replay. Sometimes we keep ourselves bound as some type of penance or payment system, like we ought to have to pay for it. Jesus doesn't want that. He wants you, and he wants you to live. It's the enemy of your soul that wants to keep you there. You've been tricked. You've been deceived by the enemy to keep you bound. Quit cooperating with the devil in the destruction of your own life. Because they can't destroy you. And that cannot destroy you. And he cannot destroy you. Only you can destroy you. So quit playing the game. John 10, 10. The thief, Jesus says this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The apostle Paul was a man well acquainted with sin and failure and tragedy. But he said this, Philippians 3, 13. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's so interesting because Paul's failures were not the only thing that tried to hold him back. So did his accomplishments. Which brings us to number two here at noon on this Sunday. I can stop or I can go into hyper mode and try to get it out if you give me a few more minutes. Do you want this message? <laughs> All right. Get ready because some of you have never seen something like what's getting ready to happen. But we're going to get through this. Number two, our victories. I'll talk as fast as you can listen. There are many people that refuse to ever humble themselves and come submit to Jesus as Lord because they've already got so much pride in their own accomplishments. Whether it's a social ladder, a job position, literal trophies of accomplishments, people put a lot of faith in finding their identity in their own works and efforts. Mark 10, 24. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier. Anybody ever heard this? It is easier. I feel the anointing. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You've got to understand this. Some of the wise men on their journey to see the child Jesus, who was about two years old when he got to him, by the way, and not in a uh, manger in a stable, they probably understood this very well. The eye of a needle. 
When you would travel in those days by camel, some of the places you had that you came to were walled, and there would be little bitty openings for the camels to go through, but they couldn't go through standing up. It was a little bitty opening they could barely fit. They called it the eye of the needle because it was like trying to thread a piece of thread through the needle. But here's what was required for the camel. Now, remember, the people traveling have money, and they're traveling with a lot of stuff, a lot of their own treasure and a lot of their own things, and this camel is carrying all this precious baggage, and the camel is very tall, and he's very strong, and he's also very proud, and he doesn't like to slide around on the ground. Are you with me? So when you come up to the eye of the needle, the first thing that you had to do is you had to unpack all of these possessions. You're way ahead of me, Stacy. If you start shouting, we're going to be here all day. (laughs) You had to unpack all of these possessions, and then the camel... Jesus, and the camel then had to get down low, which was unnatural for the camel. He had to unpack the possessions, and he had to get down low. Well, it turns out it's even more difficult for human beings to unpack all of our hard-earned possessions, to lay them at the feet of Jesus, and to get down low, to go through the narrow way. But Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter by it are many, but the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few because it requires unpacking our faith and our stuff and getting down low. How many times do we let our pride get in the way? How many times do we let the way that we want people to see us get in the way? How many times do we let our time and our money and our effort and keep up with the next guy get in our way but Jesus said first John 2 15 do not love the world or the things in this world not Jesus John do not love the things of the the world (laughs) if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in for all that is in the world listen to this the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires But whoever does the will of God, in him the word abides forever. Paul learned this lesson well. Paul had all kinds of trophies. Listen, Philippians 3, 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain that I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All of it. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffer the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law-keeping, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, 
that by any means possible that I would attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own, leading up to what we read earlier. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, some people even get stuck on their victories, not just their failures. And some people get stuck not even on their own victories. Get ready for this. Some people get stuck on the victories that God has given and ignore that there's still much more ground to be conquered. God does something, and then I stay right here for the rest of my life, acting like I've arrived. Paul knew both. He said, I'm not acting like I've arrived. I keep pressing. I keep pressing. Ecclesiastes 7.10. I'm sorry, that's not the one I want. Isaiah 43.18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Here God is talking to the Israelite children about past battles that he had won for them, and they were stuck on them. And he said, quit worrying about the last ones. There's more to do. Our victories can sometimes hold us back just as much as our failures, and both can leave us in a trap of wanting to turn back time, of wanting to turn back time to try to correct it all, or to relive the glory days, which brings us to number three. Wishing we could go back. It's obvious that we would all correct some things if we could, but how many of us say things were so much easier back then? Man, those times were so... What was it about those times that were so much better? There's literally a Bible verse, Ecclesiastes 7.10. Don't say, why were the former days better than these? For it is not wisdom that you ask this. Isn't that amazing? That Solomon said that some 5,000 years ago? Listen, if it is a failure in your past that's holding you back, if it's a victory that you have placed your faith in that victory that's holding you back, or if it's simply a yesterday that you can't let go of, Jesus has paid the price to set you free. It is not his heart that you live in yesterday, but that you live today. Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We'll close with this one. Hebrews 3.7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, here he was talking to new Jewish believers or uh, Jewish people that needed to be converted and put their faith in Christ. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they should not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The ghosts of Christmas past. Has this helped anybody today? I have a lot more to say, but it'll have to wait. And this coming Sunday, we're going to deal. Today, we dealt with our past. Next Sunday, we're going to deal with our right now. And next Sunday, we are going to give you some incredible, actually, it'll be quite credible. We're going to give you some credible, practical help. Some things for you to immediately go home and do, or you could even start doing them while you're sitting here in the service next week. I'll give you this much. Have you ever had the mindset, well, eventually it'll change? Yeah, well, that's all wrong. You've got to take that bull by the horns and make it change. It's not just going to eventually change. We're going to talk about that next week in the Ghost of Christmas present. Would you stand with me? This is one of them you got to go home and listen to again and again. And be reminded. And be reminded. So whether it's your failure, whether it's your victories, or whether it's just living in yesterday and wanting to go back, start living today. Just let it go. Just let it go. If, uh, if there's somebody here that's never received Jesus as Savior, this is a whole lot of practical information that I've given you, but it doesn't have any eternal value if you don't have Christ. It all works based on Him. So if you haven't received Him as Savior, you're just going to church. You're just hearing words. you got to know Him. You've got to know Him for yourself. So if you've never received Him, I want to encourage you right now to step out from where you are and to come and stand. I want to lead you in a prayer as you place faith in Jesus as Savior. Would there be even one that says, I want to know Jesus for myself? Would you come right now if that's you? Anyone at all? If you're watching at home, you don't have to be here to receive Jesus. You can pray right where you are. Just tell him from your heart in your own words. I, I know that I'm a sinner, God. I need your forgiveness. And I know you sent Jesus to die for me. Jesus, I know you got up again. I say yes to you. I say yes to you. Wash me clean and come and live in my life. Help me to make you Lord. And if you prayed that, would you click the message button? And would you tell me that you received Jesus today? I've got a book that I want to send you that will help you get started in your walk with the Lord. Now. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.